this it is a little, and when you first go, you're kind of uncomfortable because you're going into somebody's house and you're having to really meet people instead of just at church. Hey, man, I love you, dude. You know, all that weak stuff that we do. But at the small group, you really get a chance to meet each other, talk a little bit, and uh, hopefully grow in the faith and deal with real issues that are happening in our life. Uh, but anyway, uh, I just want to encourage you always to get involved. If you don't get involved, <clears throat> it's so easy to be eliminated. It's just so easy. I, I've seen it forever. I just It's so easy. Uh, immature Christians, and I can be one myself because I know how to speak from that, you just seem to carry your feelings on your shoulders. You just do. You know, you don't mean to, but, you know, you're just almost looking for somebody to say something you're not going to like. And you're looking for a reason to exit. And if that be the case, the enemy's got that recipe for you. Okay. Today we're talking about chain reaction. <clears throat> chain reactions, they happen all the time. I mean, they're happening right now. They happened before you got up in your mind. They're, they're happening at, at the job. They're happening with your children. Uh, and, you know, just one thing leads to another where there is either spanking or praise. Come on, somebody. And it's about the same with us, but we don't look at it like that from God. We look at it more punishment. But God says that he will call you an illegitimate child. See, I can't change my talk. An illegitimate child uh, if he's not chastising you. Come on, somebody. Or if he's not disciplining you. So I'd be kind of worried about me being an illegitimate child. If God's not considering what I'm doing or does, seems not to care what I'm doing, then there's a problem. Chain reaction. All of us seem to have some relationship with being in a chain reaction. You know, a cause and effect. Something causes, then there's an effect. Positive or negative can be the result, uh, and it's true. I like it better when it tends to be more of a blessing than a cursing. You know what I'm saying? I like that better, and sometimes we try to find that recipe for the next thing, but really the recipe is only one thing, be obedient to his will in his way, in his word. And no matter what happens, just stay that course. Many chain reactions take months, days, or even years to manifest but they do manifest. They really do. And I'm not saying some can't be stopped because if you'll look in the Scripture in the Old Testament, there were chain reactions that began, and through a repentance, God stopped what he said he was going to allow to happen. And usually in the Old Testament, it was about they walked away from God, started serving idols, started depending upon themselves, and when they did, God would say, okay, I'm going to let your enemies have you. And it's going to be a long, drawn-out process, and you're going to be beat up and killed and destroyed, and you're going to go into captivity. And sometimes they would repent before that would happen, and they would believe the man of God. They would believe the prophetic word. And as a result, things would change, and the chain reaction that was going to bring a curse instead brought a blessing. So it can happen, and it can turn, and it can change. But I think our challenge and our difficulty is we tend to fall with the next domino. We just tend to fall and think that it can't change or fall and think that we're, this is just our plight for life. This happened to my parents, it happened to their parents, so it's going to happen to me. Or everybody said this is what I would be, so I, was, I might as well follow out and go through this. I would say 2 Corinthians 9, 6, remember this, whosoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I want to tell you something, that is for good or bad. 
If you're going to sow the things of God in a bountiful way, you're going to reap bountifully. And I know that's hard for us to see because in the world today and all the information and negative ideas that we're getting by what's happening in the world, the world wants us to depend on it for our source and our answer, and that's crazy. It's an impossibility. It's not going to happen except the source will always be something that gets right up to your face, but you can't grab it. It'll be something that you think, if I could just get this, it'll happen. But in the, pro the problem is, even if you get this, what will happen will not be the will of God because it wasn't in the will of God for you to grab that anyway. I want you to know that you can reap. If you reap a whole lot of gossip, I've never figured out why you get mad when people talk about you. It's the truth. This, is, this scripture means that. If you're going to set out every single day and reap the things of God, and I mean, sow the things of God, do you understand your ship is coming in? I, that's hard for me to believe that he gave that, but it's living proof that he gave more than he got. So as a result, he was sending his ship out. He was sending his ship out. I have tithed and gave offering for 38 years. I even gave one for four months. We, Jan and I weren't getting a paycheck here. But hard times hit. Four months we tithed on the fact that we didn't get a paycheck. We tithe like we got a paycheck. I'm not bragging to you. I'm just telling you, I know, don't stop sending the, the, the ship out to heaven. Keep sending it. Keep believing. Keep trusting. Don't stop. I don't care what it looks like. Find a way to get it done. And I think that's why a lot of people, even some have left this church and are still doing good for the fact that they were givers when they came here. It's so important you learn how to do that. Because why? It's the biggest obstacle that most of us really have. And there's, if there's one thing that you're holding on to, it's the thing that'll begin or cause a chain reaction in a negative way. You're going to have a chain reaction. You're having a chain reaction today from this message. You'll, you'll respond or react, and if you respond, that means you'll embrace the Word of God, get whatever He's given you out of this message, and you'll go forward. Or you'll react and go, that's not for me, and you'll shuck it off like you do your jacket when you get into the house and not remember a thing that I'm talking about. This can be instantaneous or manifest in a lifetime. It may. But nonetheless, it will, and cause, a chain, it will cause a chain reaction. It's going to happen. Things that you, you do, things that you manifest, things that you're a part of is going to cause a chain reaction. And I want it to be the, not so much, I hate the word positive so much, but I want it to be in the will of God so it turns out to be something that no matter what everybody else is looking at, you know it's the right chain reaction. It's not always so positive to your flesh. Can I say that? Your flesh doesn't always agree with what's going down in your life, no matter how good it is. Sometimes your flesh goes, well, you know, I didn't want a salad. I wanted a banana split. So you eat the salad, and you're watching somebody eat a banana split, and you don't know how this is working out. Well, it may be working out. You're not going to have a heart attack. Come on, somebody. Y'all need to pray for me. I ate a hot fudge Sunday the other day, and I should have got a salad. Come on. That hot fudge Sunday sure was good. That's the only problem. When you go the other direction, it tastes good, but there's a chain reaction to that good. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with ice cream every now and then, but in my case, I really don't need to eat it any time. Those donuts were good this morning, too. Somebody say amen. God, I wish I'd get help. Come on, y'all. I've watched many people's lives, even my own, and seen where I was involved in a chain reaction. Some of them have been really pretty good, John, and others, I failed the test. I'm telling you what, I failed the test with flying colors, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to say, I, I just did. I mean, I crashed and burned, and 
and get up thinking, what in the world am I doing? How could I have gotten into this position? How could I have not trusted God? How have I blamed him or walked away or didn't see the signs, didn't listen to a word that somebody spoke that, that was speaking you know, before we have our prayer? See, some of y'all don't even listen. Howard spoke a great word. Many people get up there and they speak a great word and y'all are thinking, boy, you're sitting there talking to somebody while well, somebody's giving you a word you need to be listening to. And sometimes you just blow that off like, well, I ain't got nothing better to do. I pray and know that he planned for that word. It's important that you listen. It's important that he might have said what you needed. I wonder if you heard. I want to talk about two laws today. This is going to help you in chain reactions. Romans 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. That's such a great, those are such great verses. Those are great verses. I'm not sure we understand them, but I hope you do. The law of the spirit of life in Christ versus the law of the sin and death. Being in Christ means I cannot be condemned because the price of sin and death is no longer valid against me. Now, do you understand that? I'm in Christ, so the law of sin and death can no longer be valid against me because Christ did what? Paid that debt. Everybody understand? See, if we can get that, we can, get it, we can finally understand why there's no condemnation. But because there's no condemnation doesn't mean there's not going to be chain reactions. And it may feel like condemnation. Christ has paid them all in full. Not only am I saved from the law of sin and death, I have received grace to walk in the Spirit. Now, does everybody understand what that means? Now, I'm not only free from the law of sin and death, that means I'm free from the Adamic curse that came from the Garden of Eden. Everybody understand, I'm going to keep saying this over and over again. I think last week I spoke two points. This week I'm going to be about the same. I want you to get this so you can understand freedom is, is, is not something that you're striving for. You already have it. It's a matter of releasing it and operating in grace. So what is grace? If I'm free from the law of sin and death, then I have received grace through the Spirit of the living God, the Holy Ghost. As a result, grace is the power of God that separates me from condemnation and the power of sin in my life. Therefore, I now have the power, I'm free to walk away from sin, away from being subdued by the enemy's curse, and able to live the life of Christ in the Holy Ghost. Sin is an inward power. Amen? doesn't come against me from the outside so much. It's an inward power. The law of sin is the habit of sin. That's the law of sin. It's the habit. I got the habit. <laughs> I got the habit. I got the habit. It's the law of sin. If we look at gravity, we know if we drop a book, it will fall to the ground. Is there a gripe there? Is there an argument? Gravity is a law, right? Amen? It's a law. If you don't believe it, drop a book. But the truth is, every time you drop a book, it will fall to the ground. Anywhere on earth, that's why it makes it a law. It's anywhere on earth. This is gravity. This is the law of gravity. We sin. We sin because in us is the law of sin. Where did this come from? As I told you a while ago, it was Adam and his rebellion, seated of all mankind. He seated 
all mankind with their flaws, sin and death. That's where a lot of people are mistaken about being good or going to a church or being affiliated in this group or that group or whatever group they may be affiliated with. Or I believe in God. We talked about that last week. The devil's believing in God, so you haven't accomplished anything. It's not just believing in God. It's having a relationship with Jehovah God. There's a whole lot of difference in, in one or the other. It is rebellion of mankind, sin and death. So Romans 7, 24 says, what a wretched man that I am. So he's so locked into this. Now, I'm going to set some of you free by the grace of God today, if you'll listen. What a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Who's going to help him? He's struggling in Romans 7. He's doing something. He's preaching something else. How can I overcome when I do what I preach against? It's pretty much what he's saying. The law of sin and death, therefore sin, of course, is any action not compelled by the Spirit of God. Okay? Death is a weakness of the sin process. I'm not talking about a physical death. I'm talking about a death when the law of sin and death overtakes you. Death becomes an outward manifestation of your flesh running your life, and you become so weak you can't do anything. It's a death thing in the spirit. We cannot stop what we know is sin and cannot do what is right. Therefore, death, a weakness manifested opposite the will of God. That's what it means with death. It's not so much you're dying, it's the fact that your spiritual life is dead and you're so weak to combat the enemy that you're just in kind of a submissive state to his will. So God, through Jesus, deals with the root of sin. As a result, we now have the law of the spirit of life in Christ. This is so important to know and allow to operate in and through us. Are you getting this? I want you to understand this. It doesn't matter what age you are. This is what you're going to deal with your whole life. The law, the root of sin, was taken care of by what? The cross. The root of sin was Adam. It has to be uprooted. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Liberty to do what? You know what most people think that liberty means? I can do what I want to do. I can sin if I want to sin. I can go to church if I want to go to church. I can do exactly what I don't want to do when I want to do it, and that's, that's what that means. That's not what that means. That means you have liberty against the law of sin and death, and it can no longer operate in you, and the Spirit now has graced you to overcome and allow the purpose and will of God to be manifested in your life. That's what that means. It's not saying, okay, I'm saved, and this is what the American Christianity wants to say. This is what we, uh, most churches try to uh, uh, manifest and encourage. It's okay, you sinned, it's no big deal. That's not the truth. What you're doing is you're not allowing uh, the Spirit of the Lord that graced you to be able to cut sin off. I'm not talking about the root of sin. The root of sin has already been taken care of. I'm talking about the body of sin that is given over in the flesh to sin. As a result, you're not operating in the spirit. It's easy because when you're sinning, you can tell the spirit is not winning. Is that true or not? Romans 8, 2 says, Because through Christ Jesus, the law of spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Because of who? Christ Jesus. That's why you're free. 
That's why you can walk in victory. That's why your past life, no matter how it's thrown up to you, do you have to operate in what you once operated in once you recognize that the law, that is a law on this earth as long as you're not born again. But if you get born again, this law is no longer held against you because you're filled with the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost has graced you to be free from your past to live unto the will of God. Can you get this? I'm trying to make it plain. If I'm not helping me, I'll try to do it better. How can this be? We seem so subdued by sin and defeated by death. It's weakness. Sin defeats us, and then all of a sudden we act like we're dead. Why? We don't want to do anything. Once we sin to certain degrees, what do we not want to do? We don't want to do anything. We don't want to teach anymore. We don't want to teach anymore. Why? Because when we go over to teach those kids, what we see from inside of us is what we're doing, and how do we teach kids when our life looks like the devil? It's the truth, guys. You have to understand what's, what's seeding through you and in you and driving you away from the will of God. What is the law of the spirit of life? It's the resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead. If that lives in you, then you have power to overcome the sin that so comes against you. The root's already been taken care of. Why? Christ died, he rose again, Adam's dead. That doesn't mean this body of flesh is dead, does it? This is so important for you to realize the law of sin and death is still in operation to those who do not believe in Jesus. The law. The law that Adam messed up is still against those who don't believe. Do you understand that? If you believe, and I don't mean you just believe like a devil does. I'm talking about you believe because you've experienced, you understand, you have received the death, burial, and resurrection on that cross. There is no reason you should be walking and entrapped by sin. No reason. See, but you do that out of ignorance. Ignorance doesn't mean you're stupid. It means you don't understand. You're not knowledgeable of the fact. There's no reason sin should overtake you when you understand you've been graced. Listen, there's a lot of things that I've been. And there's a lot of things that I've done. But most important that's been done for me, to me, and through me is I've been graced. Do you understand? Being graced is a la- God has given you the power of the resurrection. That's not just power to overcome. That's power when you recognize sin to look at it and say, not today. Not today. Not ever. Not today. It's not the law that's coming against you. It's the sin that you've so in- said that, well, it's habitual and it's okay and God understands. He graced you so that nothing can follow you. Nothing can inhabit you but him. The law of the spirit of life, isn't this true, is greater than the law of sin and death. True or not? It has to be. If we take the law of gravity and drop a book, but I intervene and catch it, Well, I've just broke the law of gravity. So there has to be something stronger than one law to overtake another law. Amen? Are y'all getting this? I'm not the only one getting it. There has to be one law that supersedes another law or we're stuck in laws. So I'm not stuck in this law. Why? Because the law of life in Christ supersedes the law of sin and death. Right? Are you getting this? One law overtakes another law. Therefore, as a result, 
I'm free to operate in the power of the resurrection. You say, but you know, I just can't help it. No, you haven't realized you've been graced. You've been graced. You don't have to help it. You don't. You don't have to help it. Quit saying you can't help it. He didn't expect you to help it. He didn't expect you to make an excuse. He graced you. He graced you to overcome. He didn't just say, good luck. I know you believe in me. Hope you make it. It's not what he did. None of us would make it. Amen? Romans 8, 11 says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. A house divided cannot stand. If the spirit of God lives in you, then the curse of Adam cannot reside in you. As a result, you've been graced to overcome doubt, fear, unbelief, etc., 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 And I have all of those from time to time. They come against me. It doesn't mean I operate in them. It doesn't mean I succumb to the temptation, but I operate in them sometimes. It it makes me angry because I know I've been graced. Some of the people tell you, you need something. You need to realize you've been graced. So we have received the life. Therefore, the power to overcome the law of sin and death, it's in you. It is still here, but we believe by faith and trust the word of God by acting upon its truth. This way, the law, the spirit of life, prevails. I have to be able to read the word and go, like Pastor Kobe said, here's what it said, here's what I believe. If it says do this, then I have to decide whether I'm going to believe it or not. And I'll tell you, a lot of times I read it, I don't really see the manifestation thereof, but I believe it anyway. I just go, well... I'd kind of like to see it right now because I think I need it right now. But be that as it may, I'm going to walk this thing out. You know when the disciples said to Jesus, because he was giving them all kind of information, eat my flesh, drink my blood, do all kind of stuff. Lord Jesus, teach us how to pray. I mean, you're blowing our mind with all this stuff. We know how to do it the religious way, but bless God, you are teaching us something so new that we can't get through this in the old law. Why? Because you can't. I need something new. And they didn't understand that something new they needed was the Holy Ghost. So they could understand and be able to walk in the spirit of life in Christ. That's the only thing that can prevail against the law of sin and death. Now, since we have laid a foundation, everybody got it? I want to take us to how we are attacked and how the chain reaction of sin operates. James 1, 14 and 15. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away from his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. We're still talking about the same death. We're still talking about the same sin. It's one law that's overtaking another law. But when we operate and get, and, and we allow temptation to overcome us, it even looks like we're not saved sometimes, doesn't it? It really does. That's why you have to be careful about when somebody does something, you go, well, they just couldn't be saved. Who are you? I know, I've known all the scripture. Well, you know a tree by its fruit. Well, sometimes we act like a bad tree, but we still are Christians. I'm sorry. It just, you know, sometimes you get mad, you, you pitch a fit. I wish we didn't pitch fits, but we do. Sometimes we get into situations where we, where we act like we don't believe or, or we talk to our spouses or are more, I think the biggest issue that most of us have is just that we don't 
personally, when we're talking, y'all ever talk to yourself? I'm the only one that does that. I mean, I'm telling you what, I am my own. If there's nobody else around, it's cool with me. I'm talking to somebody. Y'all listen to me? I mean, God and I are talking this stuff out. I'm telling him how pathetic I am and, I mean, the biggest dummy that's ever walked on the planet. I tell him that kind of stuff, and he doesn't say much back, so I'm kind of thinking he agrees with it. <laughs> but I really think he's saying is, you're the only one that thinks that. I don't. Because I don't think I'm the only one that feels like that. I don't think I'm the only one sometimes that feels like a failure. I don't. And I, don't, you know, and I look back at my life before I was saved. Can I tell you all that, that I don't have to, well, I can just tell you all that you were all the same as I was before you were saved. You were a loser. And then you get born again. The devil never said nothing to you. He loved you. You and him were buds, right? Y'all arm in arm at the bar or wherever. Isn't it the truth? But then you get born again, and that's when you and the enemy start this battle, and you don't realize that he is... He can't come against the law of sin and death because that's been delivered from you. All he can do is go through this temptation thing. It says every man is tempted, number one. Every man is tempted. The enemy operates in sin and death. Got it? Every man is tempted. It doesn't say some man, and that means man or woman. Every person is tempted. You will be tempted. Say amen. You say, well, you're speaking prophetic against me. No, I'm not. I'm speaking the truth to you. Listen, you're going to be tempted. In every way that you're weak, that's what the enemy is going to tempt you with. If you're weak with women and looking at them, you're going to be tempted. If you're weak in, in, in finances, then your finances are going to be attacked because of your ignorant decisions. If you're weak handling your children, and that's a result of you usually not disciplining yourself, it's going to attack your... Are y'all getting what I'm saying? The enemy knows how to attack you. The enemy operates in sin and death. Jesus was tempted. The difference is that the enemy had no part in Jesus. Had no part. Now there's a problem there. Jesus didn't have the same daddy I did. Come on, somebody. I had Adam for a daddy. He had the father for a daddy. There's a difference here. He had the spirit without measure. We are tempted, therefore begin to think on things outside of God's will. That's what temptation is. That's all it is. You know, we all want to, you, you can go out and buy millions of books on temptation, and all it is is you begin to think outside God's will. That's as, that's as easy a definition as I think there's written, because I'm not that smart. But I do know this. That's about as easy as it gets. You just start thinking outside God's will. The Bible says in Proverbs, as a man thinketh, he is. And if you follow out that thought process, we know what you'll manifest. It tells, see, this is all a chain reaction. It's a chain reaction. So he begins to think. Every man is tempted. Now, you have to know this. If you're tempted, is that a sin? Okay, at least we got that one. I've heard people tell me that in this church. Well, I sinned. I said, well, what'd you do? Well, I was tempted to, I said, did you do it? And they went, no. And I said, well, you didn't sin. Get this straight. Why are you beating yourself up? I can go out and tell you what I've done, and I did sin. Huh? Jesus experienced our temptation, but was so fixed on being obedient to the Father, sin was never a consideration. Jesus 
was never drawn away. Now, that's the next deal I want you to get. Every man is tempted, number two, when he is drawn away. Okay? Separated. I like that. Drawn away. Separated from the tribe. You know what you do when you get separated from the tribe? You blame somebody. You blame somebody. You're not going to blame you, but you don't even understand why you're being separated. Is You don't even know how to handle what's happened to you. And what's happened to you is only something to grow you up. But you take it as something as an offense. When the Bible says offenses will come, but woe who they come through. The point is not who they come through. It's, and it's not talking about the one that caused them more or less. It's about you handling the offense. We can't even handle it by, by uh, uh, what is it, Matthew 18. We, we can't even go to that person. And just say, look, if it's really serious, if I went to everybody that I thought offended me on purpose, that's all I'd have meetings every day, all day long, somebody that offended me. You've got to get to a place where they're really not trying to offend you. They're on their own route sometimes. They're not trying to do anything to anybody. Drawn away, separated from the tribe, sin and death become activated, and the chain reaction begins its demand or decline. See, at any point in this whole process, you can get out. So I'm being tempted. At that point, Matt, I know I'm being tempted. I can check out. I can go, no, the Word of God says I'm an overcomer. The Word of God says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It's not you that's going to overcome. It's the Word of God because the Word of God agrees with the Spirit of God, which is overcome the law of sin and death, and it believes in the life of Christ. Got it? That's how it operates. But we don't operate like that. When we get tempted and we fall into the temptation, we start to operate in the flesh. We start to think with the flesh. And we start to think, well, this is just the way it's going to go. And it's one domino after another. It's the temptation. It's drawn away. Can you see it? Boom. 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 Sin and death become activated and the chain reaction begins its demand or decline. I've seen so many drawn away. It stems from a sort of temptation of selfish ambition or selfish desire. And we don't think it is. We think it's an offense. But truly, it is turning into selfish ambition, selfish desire. It's a will in a way that we want, and we want God to conform to our image. Can I tell you that's totally against Scripture? But that's how we get offended. We get offended because we think it ought to be this way. God says it ought to be that way, but we want God to conform. No, he says we're supposed to conform, Romans 12, 1 and 2, to his image. It stems from some sort of temptation of selfish ambition or selfish desire. You know, isolation is the desire of temptation. I want you to hear that. Isolation is the desire, because like a cutting horse, if I can get you away from those that you care about and those that care about you, and I can get you all by yourself, do you know the thinking you start to think? Do you know the craziness that comes into your mind when you have nobody there to say, look, man, that's wrong. I love you, but that's wrong. Turn around. That's not it. And the deeper you get isolated, the further you get away, the harder it is to bring you back where sometimes people never come back. You need to listen to me. I'm talking to people in this church. I'm talking to people that will hear this message and you'll check out because you thought you had a right to check out. What do you have a right to do? You don't have any rights. The Bible says when you get born again, all you have to do is the right to obey Christ. That's the right you have. I don't care what's been done to you. I don't care how many times you've been told off. You probably needed to because you had pride and and you had some kind of arrogance about you, and God said, I need to lower him. That's all right. Get lowered, because in the right time, he'll raise you up. He says he will. Just stay the course. 
Stay the course. Isolation is the desire of temptation. Can I get you away from the group? Can I get you to think they're against you? Can I, think, can I get you to think nobody loves you? Can I get you to think nobody cares? Can I just get you out of here? You're going to be tempted. You're going to be drawn away. Let me get this going in the direction I need it to go so I can get you out of the will of God. Number three, lust. Now we're going down. Boom. Now at any point, Leroy, you can check out of this. Now we look at sin and we think if it's, if it's not, the, the end game is not, some sort of uh, affair, uh, I don't know, some huge gossip thing or uh, destroying somebody, whatever. If it's nothing really bad, we don't even consider the temptation we're in. The problem with following through with temptation is not a lot of times the damage it does to you, but it's the collateral damage that it does to those around you. Many people do not care what's happened To those around them when they check out. Well, nobody cares. What do you mean nobody cares? When you're not here, somebody misses you. When you're not here, your witness has hurt somebody. When you're not here, when you got a chance to encourage somebody, you missed it. How do you know that wasn't the person that didn't need anybody else that day but you? Lust is a craving that if not yielded to Christ will yield to the flesh. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching to somebody. Nobody else, I can just put a mirror up. This can all go for me. Lust, given its freedom, is insatiable. Now, the Spirit does lust after the flesh to overtake it. I understand that. I know the Scripture. That's not the point I'm talking about. I'm talking about lusting after the wrong things. Huh? We are thinking, I know what all, maybe I'm the only one in here, but when I think about lust, I think about being tempted in sex, being tempted in, I mean, that's what everybody thinks about, but think about it. What if you're an overeater? I'm not making fun of anybody. Look, folks, that's just as big a sin as anything else, but we don't look at it like that because, you know, everybody's accepted the full figure. Huh? I'm not cutting anybody down, so don't take it that way today, but I'm telling you, the aggressiveness of the world has overtaken the truth of the word. Is that not true or not? And we all go, well, you know, I can't help, but y'all don't understand. It took me a while to develop this. Well, I know, I do understand. I mean, I wear loose shirts for a reason. I do. I mean, I don't wear them form-fitting. I don't wear young guys because I ain't a young guy no more, Okay. But the point is, it's so important that we look at lust as one thing, but lust can be of many things. Lust can be of your next dollar that you can't wait to get your fingers of. Lust can be the next meal that you can't wait to partake in or the next buffet that you can't stay away from. Or it may be the next cigarette that you can't get away from. It doesn't matter. Lust is a place where flesh demands the stage. It demands the stage, doesn't it? Lust says it's going to be my way or the highway. And we go, well, I can't leave you. Isn't that true? You've been around a long time. It is of sin and death. Lust promises fulfillment but produces death and emptiness that fabricates an unquenchable desire. Think about this. I'll read that again because I think it was good. 
When you lust for something that's out of the will of God, when it is fulfilled in you right after it, you feel like C-R-A-P. Isn't that true? But after a while, that lust builds again. It's kind of like smoking the next cigarette. I don't think smoking will send you to hell. I just think you're going to die earlier than you should have. I do. There's no more an altar of sacrifice. That's already been done away with. Jesus was the final sacrifice. Quit sacrificing yourself. That's what I think it is. Fabricates. You know what a fabricate mean? Builds up a lie. Builds up a lie, an, un an unquenchable desire. What do you do after you're in a habitual sin? You get through with it, and after a while, it's not long before you're wandering back over there again because this unquenchable desire that says you can't make it without it. What you're doing is saying you haven't been graced that way. It's not true. I'm not talking about, I'm, I'm trying to tell you how temptation operates. That's all I'm trying to tell you about. Don't, don't take it and go one way. Go every which way in your life because every one of us are battling temptation. And you should be. It produces death and an emptiness that fabricates an unquenchable desire. Four, enticed. This is the chain reaction. You got it? Brought to a place of seductive submission. Sin and death operating in full capacity. That's what enticed means. You're finally enticed. The full force of the law of sin and death, Daryl, is now said, you're enticed. Huh? You're tempted. You're drawn away. Come on, we're doing these steps. And the next thing you know, you're enticed. You're enticed. All of a sudden, you feel the full measure of the law of sin and death. And I'm telling you right now, it's a challenge, isn't it? Because you done went a little bit too far. You played with it. You only drank coffee with her about 10 times. Y'all talked about the difficulties in all of your lives. And, you know, her needs weren't being met and yours weren't being met. And God must have put y'all together. Shout me down when I'm preaching good. But it wouldn't matter if it's that because that's the only thing we can think of when we say lust. We've been tempted. We've been separated. Come on, somebody. Are, are, are y'all with me? I'm talking about chain reaction. And we don't even understand the chain reaction that's happening, especially if you're an adult and you're married. It's so, it's so destructive to your family. I'm not talking about affairs. I'm talking about things that are happening in your life that you're sleeping through. That's what happens if you get enticed. You're so seduced. Come on, somebody. You ever been seduced? Long time ago, I have to make this story short because I'm out of time, which that's good. Uh, but I was a long time ago. I was, I was, I was being tempted with a woman. This is when I was a preacher, long time ago, and God so protected me that I didn't even know I was being tempted. These people are not here anymore. Thank God. But I didn't even know. He so protected me that I didn't even know that they were coming after me until about six months later. And I was doing something, studying in front of my computer, and God said, you know I protected you. And I said, what? He goes, and he showed, I mean, it's really wild. He just showed it to me, and I went, oh, my God. Am I that stupid? He goes, yes. 
you were. But he didn't even let me even know the temptation because he knew my heart. I'm not telling y'all I've not messed up. No, nothing like that. I mean, I may get mad at my wife and whatever, but no. Women and money are not my issues because that's what I was told would destroy this church. That's what I was told. And I don't mess with either one of them. Enticed. Brought to a place of seduction. So you're submitted now. Can't get out. Yeah, you can. You still can. Okay? You still can. Sin and death operating in full capacity. I mean, it's the full force. It's the full force. Have you ever felt the full force of something coming against you? Let me tell you about skin. When you start downhill and you're out of control, it is a crazy feeling to know that the full force of you making impact with the ground <laughs> is going to happen. I've broken a collarbone and tore a knee up in skiing, so I definitely know what full forces are. But there's many other things that are full force. You know, you, just, you have to understand, in the spiritual, there is such an oppression that we ignore thinking this will pass. No, not without you rising up in the spirit, rebuking and cursing that thing and getting it off of you instead of going, well, I don't want to be rude. Sometimes you've got to be rude because a person you're dealing with is of the devil and not of God. They need to be rebuked. Now, don't go out today and start rebuking everybody you see. Somebody at the <laughs> McDonald's will be serving. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. They just brought you your meal. God, you got to preach this stuff because you all go off crazy. You know what I'm saying? You do. You have to preach stuff like this. Pastor, rebuke them. Boy, you come out here and you, you drive in your car rebuking every car. They come at the stop sign and they do a California roll and don't slow down. I rebuke you in the neck. Hope you wreck on the way down. What? I'm trying to help some of y'all. It's the truth. You have to teach people when you rebuke things, make sure that you're not the one that needs to be rebuked. Let me preach for real. Number five, conception of lust. Conception. That's what it says. Read the scripture. The desire. Come on, y'all with me? Look at me. I'm going to help you. Come on. I'm just teaching you something easy today. I'm not even going to finish my sermon. I'm just going to teach you this. I was going to tell you about David, but I'm not because he went through the whole cycle. I think it's the second Samuel 11. I don't have it down. I was going to read it in the Bible. Anyway, conception is the conception of lust. You know what conception is? Everybody know what it is? I mean, something going to produce something. Is the desire and demand unite. It's like an egg and a sperm. They unite. The desire, whew, I can't help myself. I know it must be God. The desire and the demand of the enemy. You can't stop it. Unite. Now, birth depends only upon a gestation period. That's all it needs. Birth just needs a gestation period. Once death, I mean, once, once desire and demand unite, death is the only outcome. Hey, can you break it at this point? Yes. Here's the only time you can't break it. Sin is the product, number six. It's just the product. When these two unite, you're going to birth sin. You're just going to birth sin. And you know, you need, we need to stop birthing sin, and we need to start birthing blessings. 
Because the same way can happen to us in the faith. Death is the collateral damage, number seven. Therefore, the total manifestation of weakness to sin. It doesn't mean a physical death. It means now you've done separated yourself from God. Death. And you think you're strong, but you're so weak. Let me tell you, when somebody says somebody's acting like a monkey, and they're saying they're just so weak. No, they're not. They're so strong in their weakness. They're strong in their weakness. You know, they just, they, just, they just can't come to church. I know they're strong in their weakness. Well, you know, they just, they just can't stop gossiping. I know they're strong in their weakness. I know they just, they just can't. They're foul mouth. I know they're strong in their weakness. You have to hear me. That's what it is. You're strong in your weakness. You want everybody to feel sorry for you, but sin doesn't feel sorry for you. The devil doesn't feel sorry for you. So did you get this today? Everybody got it? David did the same thing. Go read the story. He did the same thing. I think it is in 2 Samuel chapter 11 where he was supposed to be in the battle. Remember? But he was out cruising around on rooftops. Wasn't he? He was cruising around on rooftops. And when he was, it doesn't say how long it took, but we know what happened. As a result, you have to understand, this sin that David not only was tempted, but eventually fell into, had such collateral damage that we're probably still living part of it today, but by Jesus. His family was wrecked. It had relational issues, even with all the kings and the lineage of Judah to come. He numbered the people and there were 70,000 dead because he numbered the people and thought of his greatness. Where do you think this came from? He was just on a rooftop. The rooftop only did what? He only had an affair and killed a man. The real issue is he killed his family. And then he put a seed into the, to the line of the tribe of Judah that only Jesus could heal. That's the truth. You think sin and temptation... Jesus didn't sin because he had the spirit without measure. He had a different father than we did, but he was tempted at all points with us, yet without sin. Not because he couldn't, because he could have chose. In the garden, what did he say? He could have sinned in the garden. When he, was, when he came up out of baptism, he was taken to the wilderness, and what happened? He was tempted 40 days and 40 nights. And it said the spirit of God led him into the wilderness. Why? To show us that even in the wilderness, and when it looked like you'll never get out, 40 days and 40 nights stands for total destruction. How long did the flood last? Okay, so you're in one of these 40 days and 40 nights. Maybe I ought to give up. Maybe I ought to quit. I don't know if I can do this. Well, look to the altar and finisher of your faith. He finished. He did it. He was tempted at that point, and not only that, after that. If you'll read the scripture in King James, it says, The devil left him, I love this, until an opportune time. Do you know how many opportune times came during his ministry of three and a half years? Every time he turned around, he was being tempted by the enemy. Follow the law or follow grace? He's going to fulfill the law, so he had to manifest that, but he had to follow grace as well. Nobody can juggle that except Jesus. 
How do you make it look like it's right with the law and grace at the same time? He did it. Did he kill the woman that was found uh, in prostitution? What did he say? Who's going to cast the first stone? And then he said, who is left to condemn you? Who was left? Jesus. He was left. He could have condemned her. But by grace, he crossed over the line, juggled it just right, and said, by grace, get up and sin no more. See, he was tempted at all points. And then he... And then here he goes, he's, he's tempted everywhere. And then the final test of temptation, he says, well, who's going to drink this cup when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane? He goes, well, I don't know. It's a pretty tough cup. That means I'm going to have to drink the sin of the world. That means I'm going to be separated from the Father. This means I don't know about, I know I'm going to come back, but this ain't looking good for me. This is going to be a hard three days. Come on, somebody. I'm going to have people. It says the entire, everybody that he ever ministered to, Trey left him at this moment. See, he was looking at lots of different things. And at the garden, when the devil is tempting him at his greatest point, he goes, no, I'm the only one that can drink this cup. There's nobody else can drink this cup. You can't drink that cup. I can't drink that cup. You can't drink that. You can't drink that. You can't drink that. But because you believe, you drink that cup. Did you get that? That's the law of sin and death versus the law of life in Christ. Did you get that? You not get that? Like some of y'all your heads spin sometimes. I want you to get this. I want you to walk in victory. I want you to look at temptation and be able to know that it's a chain reaction that you can walk out of before you get to the place where you said, I fell again. Don't you watch Dumb and Dumber? He tells us, he tells us the dumb or the dumber, I don't know which one it is. Jim Carrey runs off the end of the gateway of the, the gate of the plane. Remember that? He's telling his goofball whoever he goes I ran off the gate of the plane he goes yeah again <laughs> look dummy it's the same gate if there's not a plane there you're going to do that temptation won't change you guys it, it may manifest in some other different form but the chain reaction that scripture that scripture will not change for temptation and even though some temptation looks like it bypasses those stages, it doesn't. Just some of them go quicker because your desire. <laughs> your desire has done past whatever God thinks or wants. Did you get something today? It's the first series, the first message on chain reaction. Everybody in here born again? If you died, would you go to heaven? You sure of that? If I died, I'm going to heaven. In Africa, I give an altar call, and I'm telling you what, if they don't raise their hand, I make sure. I said, now, I, I want to make sure of this. Jesus died on the cross. He rose again on the third day, and he died for the sin of the world. He died to destroy death that controls your life, even as we speak right now. And you can live the life of grace. Have you been graced? I wonder if some of you have been graced. Some of us in here didn't grow up in a church like this. We grew up in a place where you became a member, got confirmed, or... You got baptized as a baby. Can I tell you there's nowhere in the scripture being baptized as a baby saves you? You can be anointed on top of your head as many times as you want to until you have the faith and grace yourself to be able to say, I believe in Jesus, that he rose from the dead, he died for my sins, and from this day forward, I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit of God to live in me and through me so I can see the salvation of the Lord. That's what being saved is really all about. Have you been saved in here? Don't ever be afraid or ashamed. Not to, well, I'm not sure. Well, come up to me. After the service, 
I'll pray with you. You'll get saved. You'll get baptized, and bless God, victory is on the way. And it's not going to, temptation is not going to stop. You're really going to start acknowledging it now. That's what's going to happen. You know, it's hard for a Christian to live in sin when you know now where it's coming from. But we're winners, not losers. There's so much scripture about being overcomers. So I'm not leaving you with defeat. I'm just telling you, be aware how temptation operates. Okay? If you're not sure you're born again, I'll give you a chance. I'll be up here for a little while after the service. Come on up here. You're not sure you'd go to heaven if you died today. I don't want you to die today. I don't want to die today. I think I got some things left to do, but at least if I do, I know I'm going to heaven. I absolutely know I'm going to heaven, and I hope you do too. Father, we love you and thank you for this day. I pray for everyone that's here. May you bless them as they came in. Bless them as they go out. May they understand there are chain reactions even today and they'll be responsible for, not in a bad way, but a good way. Because, Father, they can start these chain reactions in the Word of God and the will of God and be led by the Spirit of God and they can manifest your blessings even in the midst of a trying and difficult time. They're going to be tempted as Jesus was, but that's okay. They'll overcome like he will if they'll realize and honor the way they have been graced. We thank you. In Jesus' name, we all say... Have a Jesus day. Give the Lord a hand clap. From my design. See, I'm not sensitive to who you think I is. I've been created for a purpose that is solely his. Know what I'm worth and hey, don't plan on playing games. I'm a destiny's child. I say his name, say his name. Jesus, the only one. Stick closer than a friend and watch that fire deep inside you never Disturb God's purposes or interfere. So who shall I fear if my anchor is secure? Learning to consider it pure joy when I'm facing tribulations. Praising God instead of complaining and getting overtaken with bitterness. Looking at the pages of the book of James and seeing the ways that God works through the trials to make us more mature in our faith. It reminds me how desperate I am in this desert land. Thirsty for your mercy and plan while you give me the strength to stand. You're my greatest pleasure. Yeah, no matter the weather I face, Lord, you never forsake. My fragile life is safe under your sovereign grace. Sinking, 
saying through the providence of pain you perfect your plan predestined to be tested when it works in the words of god cooperate and educate man in a great gift of grace and faith and even though it's obvious when my outlook's ominous you found my heart and my conscience and gave me a constant calmness so when the pain comes like rain from the parts of life that maintains its strain i could put my trust in the hands that sustain it's profound with all these sinking ships around me he surrounds me and he anchors me with his grace oh, around me oh, I ain't. 